You are listening to the God Focused Life Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Thompson, and my prayer is that every single listener will be inspired and challenged to be all that God has created you to be. Hello and welcome to A God-Focused Life. I'm so thankful that you are tuning in. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would like to invite you to go and rate and review this podcast show. The more ratings and reviews that we have, it makes it easier for others to find the podcast. My desire is that more and more people would be drawn to the Lord, number one, and that they would live a successful life, whether it's in their businesses, whether it's in their home life, just coming closer to the Lord and learning how to do life focused on the Lord. So please go rate and review and please always know that you can share it on your social media, share it with your friends and family if this is a blessing to you. Hopefully it will be a blessing to others as well. Okay, we are on episode eight and we are talking about our faith. I have head knowledge, but my heart isn't in it. That's the title for today. And I think all of us at different times, we feel that way. We feel like we know what the Bible says. We know what God did for us. We know what Jesus did for us. We know that Holy Spirit is with us, but we're just not feeling it. We're kind of going through a humdrum season, not really excited, not really down, just kind of blah. I want to talk to you and give you five, whether you call them points, maybe some tips, some things to really think about uh, today in this episode. So the number one thing, it's going to probably sound counterintuitive because the title says I already have the head knowledge, but I'm not feeling it in my heart. But my number one point is we actually need to increase our head knowledge. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is Romans 12 two. I also have a few scriptures that I want to read that pertain to knowledge and what does the Bible actually say. And you could do a Google search and find many verses from the Bible about knowledge. I've just chosen a few. The first one I have is Isaiah 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. So knowledge is actually a spirit of the Lord. There are seven spirits. The other one, the seventh one is listed in, um, I believe it's in Ephesians where it talks about the spirit of revelation. But this is very clear that it is a spirit of the Lord. It's part of him. It is who God is and he gives us knowledge. In Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we don't want to despise the wisdom and instruction. We want to gain the knowledge. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So whenever the Lord wants to speak, we want to be all ears because he's going to speak knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 18 verse 15, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise 
Seek it out. We want to be seekers of knowledge and of points that the Lord wants to give to us to make our lives better. Proverbs 1, verses 28 through 29. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. So that makes it very clear when we despise the knowledge then God's like, I can't do anything because I'm trying to give you the knowledge. I'm trying to give you what you need to succeed in life, but you wanted nothing to do with it. So I can't do anything with that. How am I going to help you if you don't even want to hear what I have to say? I believe we have to increase that knowledge and we have to know what the Bible says. I think a big example um, that I've learned Once I had children, I really learned what it means to pour knowledge to help someone else understand what the Bible says. I can't say that my children were always excited and thrilled to come to Bible time, but it was something that we had to do every single day nonetheless. I taught them how to worship. I literally made them raise their hands. Why? Because we dug into the Word the Bible and we found those verses that said that the Lord commanded us to raise up holy hands, to clap our hands, to shout with joy, to sing unto him. So we had to get that knowledge of what worship even looks like, because if I'm worshiping according to what I want, it's not giving the Lord what it is he wants and we want to be pleasing to him. I would teach my children Bible stories. We would also memorize scriptures. That was very important. I wanted that to be a foundation for them. They were little. They weren't paying bills. They weren't going through anything tragic. I mean, we did have sicknesses and we had some issues, you know, that what children, you know, will have, but nothing big, nothing major. But I still poured in these scriptures to them. And even when they were sick, we would pull out the verses that spoke about healing. And they learned that, number one, this is where mom and dad always go to. This is what we turn to. We also learned that we have to train up a child in the way they should go. And our children learned that mommy and daddy are obeying the Lord by teaching you what the word says. Doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not, like whether you agree with what we're doing or not, this is what we do and the Bible is truth. So they learned from us that the Bible is the truth. It is the foundation that we build our lives on. We have to have the discipline, even as adults, to set aside time to learn Myself, I choose morning, and there are verses that actually back me up on that, that the morning, it's a quiet time, the Lord is there, we can have this, our first thoughts, it's the very first thing that we can focus on. I think we need to make sure that we aren't turning our brains towards social media and just flipping. I mean, literally, it's like changing the the channel on a TV, like change, 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 flip, 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 flip. We can see so many different things in 30 seconds on social media from a best friend's wedding to a car crash to the latest news headline to politics to maybe a cute little verse or a cute little animal. All of these different things bombard us. 
but how beautiful it is when we wake up and we go directly to the Lord when our minds are fresh and we can focus on Him and we give Him the first part of our day. We spend time in those morning devotions. That's a time when we can learn. Maybe you've joined a Bible study at church and you're going to read through the Bible study. I know my church is doing something called Immerse, and that's where we are all reading through the Immerse Bible. You may have a Bible reading plan that you are going through. That is great, but just get some knowledge in your brain, in your mind, in the mornings when you wake up. You may want to find professors or teachers, someone that has a lot of knowledge that can pour into you. Some people may even want to go to seminary, take some online classes, find a Bible Bible college, and just sign up for an online Bible 101. Find something that appeals to you so that you can learn more about the Bible. You might want to find some other friends to join you in that, and you can start discussing this. Jesus knew the word. When we see him in the New Testament and when we see him fighting the devil, when we see him teaching the disciples or performing miracles, he referred to the word. So he knew it. And did you know that it was Jewish culture for children to literally memorize the Bible, the first five books, by the time they were 12? So they memorized it. That's how important the word was to them. Doesn't mean that it's all bells and whistles and thrills and excitement, but they did the work to get the knowledge in. An example I could give too would be like a surgeon who is going through years and years of college and maybe the college years aren't the best. There's good days, bad days. Maybe they get an A on a test and maybe they fail a test. Maybe they've stayed up late at night and they're tired and they're weary, but wow, what excitement they must feel the very first time they perform a real surgery and it's a success. The excitement that comes from that. It took lots of hours, weeks, months, years to get the knowledge in so that they could actually do what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives and They were rewarded for all of their hard effort into getting the knowledge. Number two, the biggest thing, but yeah, like I said, I kind of divided this up into five parts. And my number two point is we don't want to confuse faith with emotion and passion. Sometimes we feel like, oh, my. My heart's not in it, or we attach that faith, and we're thinking that we have to just be this emotional outburst of excitement and thrill and just like that feeling we feel on a first date or the excitement of our first day on the job, we got a brand new job or we just started our business and it's this emotional high. Even years later, it's not the first day and maybe we've gone through and there's good days, bad days. It doesn't mean we've lost the job. It doesn't mean that we've lost our marriage. It doesn't mean we've lost whatever this thing is. We are doing life with it. We don't want to confuse the passion, the feelings, the emotional high with true grounded faith. 
on the days that even when we're tired, even when we are battling a cold, even when we are battling sometimes confusion of what the Bible says, what does it mean? Maybe we're like, what, what do I, you know, like we're just learning a new principle. Maybe we are fighting literally the enemy. Maybe there are things that we are praying for, for our children on those bad days where we just feel that the enemy is getting the upper hand. That doesn't mean that our faith is lost. It just means that we dig in deeper and we have to put our thinking caps on. We have to engage the spirit of knowledge and wisdom and have that discernment to walk through life. So don't confuse it with, oh, I'm not feeling this emotional excitement. Don't confuse it and think, oh, if I'm not feeling that, then I must not be a Christian. You know, okay, so the number three point is we want to pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I will say this, and this is kind of coming um, on the heels of what I had just said about emotions. Sometimes we can have an, a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit that kind of um, it engages our emotions. So something happens and we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and we just feel this calm or we feel this joy or we feel this excitement because we know that the Lord is with us. It's a cause and effect. And we want to make sure that we are doing life in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we're just getting knowledge for knowledge sake, then we're going to become like the Pharisees who, when they had Jesus right in front of their face, they didn't recognize him because they were so busy studying the law, the letters, the books. They were so busy studying that, that they didn't have the Holy Spirit that was leading them and guiding them. And they didn't understand the truth. And Jesus was saying, he rebuked them for that. Like you are so busy with the head knowledge. Okay. You're so busy with that, that you're not you're not embracing who God really is, the person of God. Because if you knew, you would understand, I'm here. I'm right there in front of you. So, and Jesus continued to do miracles just to show who he was so that people could believe in him. And then when Jesus goes to be with the Father in heaven, he promised, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send a comforter. And that is the Holy Spirit. When we are in our quiet times and we are learning, we are reading our Bibles, we are digging in a little bit deeper, when we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will have these aha moments. Like it just goes deeper all of a sudden and we're we're just blown away. Like, wow, I never knew this was here. I never knew that. And you can fill in the blank of whatever it is that God is teaching you. I know that since I've been going through the Immersed Bible with our church, we've had many, many of those moments. And then on a weekly basis, we get together with our friends and discuss it. And hearing what my aha moments are and then the others' aha moments. And then we get together and discuss it. And the Holy Spirit is there with us in that time as well. He is a teacher. He's going to teach us. When we are hurt when we are battling something devastating, when we have our questions, when maybe we are, there's a sickness, again, our, or maybe the enemy's just battling us, maybe we've lost our job, maybe we're trying to, we're beating our head up against the wall. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort us and he will bring us verses that will comfort us. When we don't feel him, we can just trust our knowledge that he really is there with us. So even when our hearts aren't feeling his presence, 
We can look at the scriptures. We've, we know that we have prayed. We can just know, Holy Spirit, I know that you are here with me. Even though right now it may not be a thrilling, high, a sensationalism <laughs> kind of experience, but you know what? I'm walking with you right now. And I believe and I know and I trust that you are here. My number four point is that we will reap what we sow. When we sow in the time with him, we will reap a harvest. Our hard work of planting, just like when we plant a garden, it takes a lot of hard work. It, you have to give something in order to get something. You have to give of your time, of your effort, of your sweat, of those seeds. Literally, you are giving part of your harvest from last year's season. You are planting that into the ground. And we will reap the rewards. But you know what? There will be many storms that come between planting and harvesting. And we have to hold fast and know, you know what? I can't see what's going on underneath the ground. I can't see what the Lord is doing right now. All I see is thunderclouds and I see the rain beating down. But I am trusting God because he is going to bring forth a harvest. And that's the way it is in our lives. We have to trust that God is working. Even when we can't see him with our eyes, we have to know that when we put in this work to get the knowledge and the understanding and we continue to pray, walk with the Holy Spirit, we will reap a harvest. My number five point is we simply do life with God. We just do life with him. It's kind of like a marriage. That's the best analogy I can give. Yes, you have those first dates, you have the fun dates, you might have some arguments, you may have some discussions, things that you just don't really understand, and you work those things out. You say I do, you get married, and you literally give these vows and you say in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. Even, you know, we make that commitment to follow the Lord on the good days, on the bad days. And I know when I'm married to my husband, um, I don't think that God has stinky socks. <laughs> but when I see my husband's stinky socks laying somewhere in the middle of the floor, you know what? I still love him. I still love him. And even when I see the Lord, maybe there's a situation I just don't have the understanding. Or maybe I really am upset with the way that God is answering a prayer. I'm just not pleased with how he's answering it. I have to trust that he is God I am not. I have to trust that those verses, when I read those verses that say his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, he is God. I am a bond servant. I am literally a slave to Christ. I, I bow the knee to him. He is Lord, not me. It's not the other way around. And it is a commitment. I do life with him. Day in, day out in marriage, we have chores to do. We have to go take the kids places and pick them up. We have to pay bills. We have to do life together. And it doesn't mean that that I'm always, you know, like my husband and I are just always in dating mode. We are in living life mode. But I will say in order for a marriage to be successful, and in order for our relationship with the Lord to be successful and, and help us to enjoy our time with the Lord, I think it's just mandatory. I It's mandatory. If Jesus sought 
time away with the Father, we need to seek time with the Lord as well. We need to seek time with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all three have very different roles, amazing qualities of each of each you know, person and part of the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to celebrate the relationship with him and be thankful. We need to go on God retreats. I take a couple of times every year and I get a hotel room or maybe I'm going to the mountains and finding a cabin somewhere. Uh, it's just me and God. Sometimes I know that last year I actually took my family on a God retreat and I taught them this is what I do and this is what we're going to do as a family and we went on a God retreat. I make sure that I have dates with God. Maybe it's a walk in the forest, maybe it's you know going to the beach, you know a day trip. I'm close enough to where I could drive to the beach in one day. Maybe I go to a coffee shop. Maybe it's to the mall. Maybe I don't know, but I know that I am with God. I will have my journal and I will take time to sit and talk with him, which if I'm in a mall, that's probably not the best place for me to be. But a coffee shop or a restaurant, absolutely, definitely. I need to write down love letters. I need to write to the Lord how I feel. And you know what? Sometimes I sit and I say, Lord, I would like to know how you feel about me. And based on my number one point of getting knowledge, I can write out what Jesus would say to me. I can I can know that he says, you are treasured above all creation. You are the apple of my eye. You are more intoxicating than wine. These are all of the things that the Lord says about us. And we need to have that knowledge to know that when we write a love note to ourselves, you know, from the Lord, those are based on scriptures. And it's wonderful. It's such a, a loving way for us to embrace the Lord and for us to feel what he says towards us. I also like to go to conferences. I especially like to go to conferences that have uh, strong worship, you know, sections where it begins with worship. I think that's very important. I also attend a church. Our family attends a church that really has focused worship. I'm not talking about a concert. I'm not talking about just a quick few songs. I'm talking about time where the pastors and the leaders, the worship leaders, they truly try to make time where we are focused on the Lord and giving him our love, our attention, and allowing the Lord to speak and respond to us as well. I think it's so important that we attend a church that we can engage him in worship. Yes, getting the word, getting you know, when the pastor preaches, that is worship as well. And I think it needs to be all inclusive. And even get, getting together with other friends and making new friends at church and getting together to discuss those scriptures and, and the word, but also just doing life with other people, like going on picnics and barbecues and going on maybe some vacations together with other people in the body of Christ. It's we are all family when we come to the Lord and we meet other people that love the Lord, we become family. And these are all ways that 
We can sharpen ourselves because when I'm with someone else that loves the Lord, that person is going to sharpen me because they have experienced something with the Lord and it's going to help me. It's going to kind of help my attitude. Their faith is going to sharpen my faith. So these are just five points in a quick podcast. I'm sure there are many more ways that you can embrace the Lord and spark that 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 fire again. I know that the Lord is a consuming fire and I have prayed this many times. I want to be like a log inside a fireplace. When you see that log that is totally consumed by the fire, that's what I want to be. I don't want to be like when you first throw that first log in, you know, you build up the kindling and then you start putting logs in there. And once you put the first in, it's, it has to catch It it takes a little bit. It takes a little while, but eventually it will catch. But you have to have it around the right environment. If I just put one log in there all by itself, it's not going to catch on fire. Same with us, with the Lord. We have to have other people. We have to have a strong church. We have to have pastors and ministers and people with the giftings that can pour into us and we can sharpen them as well. So, and just know we are going to have ups and downs. It is a journey. We are on pilgrimage to heaven. Uh, Paul said it very plainly and clearly. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be in heaven is more wonderful than to walk this earth because this earth is hard. There's going to be some hard things that we have to face, but we have to walk it in Christ and with the body of Christ. So I hope that this has helped you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if there's something that you want to reach out to me, if you have some questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me at, you can go to either RebeccaThompson.org or a godfocusedlife.org. You can go to the contact page, send me a direct email. You can sign up for my blog there. You can also sign up to get um, uh, uh, podcasts on my website as well. We just want to stay in community. I want to be here to serve you and encourage you in your journey with the Lord. Okay, so like, comment, share, rate, review. Let's just stay in contact with each other. Okay, have an awesome day. I love you. I'm so glad that you are tuning in and we will see you later. Bye-bye.